0: a couple things in life as a teenager. but my number one dread in going to school was test day. Anybody ever dreaded a test? Dave, do you ever dread a test? you were you were probably a smart boy uh, but I, I dreaded I dreaded test day. I know Mike dreaded test day <laughs> And so I dreaded test day and um, you know. You get to school and everything's good, and you just you know the day is going to be wonderful. And you're going through all of your all of your classes, and you're thinking, "There's no test today. Life is grand. I am I'm just having the best day. You know, I'm going to have a little bit of homework. I'm going to go home, jump on my dirt bike, and ride. It is going to be a good day. There's no there's no note going home to mom today that I failed a test. There's none of that stuff going to happen. This is all clear blue selling today. And then about first period, <laughs> teacher comes out and says, pop test today. did not you hate pop test? Why in the world would you do that to somebody? I mean, immediately my heart sinks. I'm like, pop test on what? We didn't even learn anything between now and the last test. <laughs> and it was over the last test that I just failed. And I'm like, great, I didn't learn it yet either. And and then, you know, or, or you'd show up and there'd be this famous, the famous thing the teacher would do to you. You know, you get to class and all's going well, you know, no test today. And you sit next to the pretty girl in school or the or the or one of your friends, and you're sitting there and you're talking, and they're like, You ready for the test today? And you're like, What test? Then your heart really sinks. Oh no, there is a test today. I forgot about. It. And you start studying real quick, and you pull out your notes and you're like, I got time to make a cheat sheet, <laughs> and you're, you know, you're, you're, all these thoughts are going through your head, and I can't cheat, I'm, I'm a Christian, you wipe it off, and thinking, Lord, you've got, to, it's got to be your grace, Jesus, give me the answers, just, just, please give me the answers, just one time, Lord, I promise I'll study forevermore, I'll do whatever it takes, I will never forget there's another test, and sure enough, you're sitting there waiting for this divine revelation. Is it A, B, C, D? There is no E, F, G. A, B, C, B, A, B. You start making up patterns on the Scantron drawing pictures. And and you're wondering, why me? Why can't you just give me the answers, Lord? It'd be so easy. You know, you love me. I love you. But Jesus says, you know, study to show yourself approved. And uh, I'm like, but Lord, you know, you could just this one time. Just one time, please, I don't want another note to go home to mom. I haven't watched TV in six weeks as it is. (laughs) There was this one time I went to biology class, and it was biology or science, whatever it was, but we had this project. They gave us like a month to do it. Don't ever give me a month to do anything. I will forget in a month. If it ain't tomorrow or the next day, I'm not remembering I got this iWatch, it kind of pops up and gives me calendar dates. I praise God for technology. You know, back then we had papyrus and that was it and a pen. And so I, I got this project and I've had a month to do it. And I show up to class and we're supposed to collect like five million different leaves off of trees and supposed to have an index card for every leaf of what it was, what its scientific name was, and all of that. And I show up to school and we're getting ready to go in biology class. And We're finishing lunch, and there's about 10 minutes left. One of my friends, I said, what's in the baggies? Oh, that's our leaves for our project that's due today. I went, "Go!" I said, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. That's today? And so I got two choices. I can try to see if anybody's got extra leaves, or I can go home sick. (laughs) Because I was sick at that point in time, I'm telling you. So I, I run, I say, okay, okay, okay. So there's this girl I walk over to. I said, hey, how are you doing today? She goes, hey, Ryan. I said, I see you got a bunch of extra leaves. She goes, yeah. I said, can I borrow some? I don't have any. <laughs> you're supposed to share. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? So she gave me one of every kind of leaf. A buddy of mine has stack index cards. through the, the, Before I got to class, within five minutes, I'd made a 70. <laughs> now I'm telling on myself boys do not listen to this (laughs) I was in 11th grade and I I was just bad (laughs) Jesus has saved me since then but you know every week how many y'all get paid weekly anybody in here get paid weekly get paid every week anybody get paid bi-weekly or on the 1st and the 15th everybody get paid once a month anybody just get paid once a month once a month is good too how many of y'all don't get paid at all? <laughs> Jerry, we got to get Jerry a job, guys. <laughs> he used Lupita's money to buy her a Valentine's Day present. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, every week when we get paid, we take a test. It's pop test day. And you decide with your money when you get paid who you're going to pay first. You say, what am I going to do with my money for? Man, I got my check. Some of y'all are thinking, man, I got it spent. There's a new MK purse I've been waiting on, and it is fly to the double Y. And then there's, you know, some of us are like, oh, man, I'm going to write my first check to Chevrolet so they don't repossess my truck in the morning, or I'm going to pay Visa. But, you know, our heart is Christians and believers, our heart should be that God is first. In everything that we do. And so the minute I get my check, I've changed my perspective, like Zacchaeus. I've changed my thinking. And the first check I get, the first thing I want to do is I think, man, I get to give to God today. And I make a statement with that check I write that I've put God first in my life. Open with me to Malachi today. And if you got some of these stringy dilly things in your Bible, like I told you last week, the Greek is stringos dilos. Uh, you can put them in 2 Chronicles as well. Now Malachi is the last book before you get to the New Testament. And I'll tell you some issues I have with that in just a minute. Malachi 3:6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Did y'all just read that with me? For I am the Lord, I do not what? Change. And then, you know, God has a Sense of humor. He's talking to the sons of Jacob here. He goes, For I'm the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed. I don't kill you right now. He said, I'm still a nice God. I've been nice. I'm still nice. That's what he's saying. He said, I don't change. He said, But if I did change, I'd probably consume you right now. Because y'all have done some things wrong. Some things aren't going right. And you need to change what you're doing. But I don't change. How many of y'all are glad God does not change? He's still the loving, great God he has always been. Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, I want you to pay attention to this word ordinances. We're going to go back to it in just a few minutes. And you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Now, this is God talking right here, because it says, says the Lord of hosts. And what God's telling to them, say, hey, you want me in your life? Return to me, and I'll return to you. And they said, in what way, Lord, shall we return? I thought we were with you. And here, here, I want you to listen real closely to this. This is God's answer. And God says, will a man rob God? I want to ask you a question today. Would Would you rob God? Honestly, nobody in here wants to ever say that we've robbed God. I know I don't want to say I've robbed God. And this is, what, this is what God says. Will a man rob God? And he says, yet you have robbed me. And they say, you know, just a, just a regular answer here. This is what the guys say to God. In what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. And then he says, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Even this whole nation is robbed. And then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Storehouse refers to your local church. That there may be food in my house, which refers to the church also. And try me now in this. And this word try also means test me. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Once again, this is the God, God talking, our God, the only one true living God that cannot change. And he says... Test me in this, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And then he says, I will rebuke the devourer or Satan, for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field," says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Now this is God who cannot change speaking this. up. What a promise God gives the sons of Jacob. What a promise he gives us. He said, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing there won't be room for it. I will pour out such a blessing that every other nation will call you blessed. What a promise. Now, I told you I was going to go back to that word ordinance. Ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. That's what it means in the dictionary, a principle of ordinary behavior. Now, it's ordinary as a believer to want to thank God. It's ordinary as a believer to want to praise Him, to want to worship Him, to want to give back to Him, to want to do all these things. It's ordinary. It's, it's an ordinary thing to want to do all these as a believer. And God wants us to do these things because God has this blessing for you. But he's just waiting on you to do your part. You know, God makes it simple. He gives us two results to choose from in Malachi. It says two things can happen. First of all, we can be blessed and we learn that means happy. Or we not tithe and we can be cursed. And if you look at the translation the curse, you don't want to look up what it means. It means doomed or danged. I'll use that danged word. And uh, it's really not a hard question. God, do I tithe? Do I not tithe? It's not a hard question because I want the blessings of God in my life. And so with my best Forrest Gump is, voice here, I'm not a smart man. But I like a box of chocolates. And I like to be blessed, and so it's really not a hard question. Janae, I, I want I want the blessings of God in my life. Okay, Janae, <laughs> I got my own Janae right here. Her name is Jennifer or Jenny, or her initials are JLO. I call her JLO. She's just Jenny from the block. <laughs> Look, God wants to redeem every single one of us, but it takes our cooperation, to tithe, to give a tenth. You know, my whole life as a pastor has been to help people, and um, I know God's principles and I know they work. And it's helping people. I have people ask me questions all the time, and and I say, do you want do you want what you want to hear, or do you want what you need to hear? And you tell them what they need to hear, but then they really just wanted to hear what they they wanted to hear. And so today, my question is, do you want to know what you need to hear? Now, if you give the blessings and the windows are opened on your life, I'm excited for you. And the reason I'm doing this message today isn't, isn't just for the believers. It's for the non-believers too, because there's a principle here you can tap into. And that if you make God Lord of your life, And you decide that you'll follow his principles, ordinary things that he set out for us to do. He'll pour out blessings on your life that you cannot imagine, that you cannot even believe that he he will do. Every time there's a financial difficulty in your life, it's a test. Whether you'll keep tithing no matter what's going on, or you won't. And once you pass that test so many times, I promise you the devourer will quit messing with you. He'll quit messing with you. Pastor Randon had this dog, and he still has him. His name's Marmaduke. Cute dog. But if you left your shoes out on the floor, Marmaduke would devour them. He would. If you left your MK purse on the floor, Marmaduke would turn it into Alpo. Anything you left on the floor, Marmaduke would eat. And he would devour it. So Pastor Randon nicknamed him the devourer. Because he devoured everything that was in his path. And what happens is when we don't tithe, when we don't give to God, we close the windows of heaven on our life, and we leave stuff laying all around that's unprotected. And we allow the devourer to come in to chew it up and eat it up, and then we wonder, why? Why are we having these problems? Why are these things happening in our life? You know, the number 10, why Why does God choose 10%, Pastor? And I've said this before. The reason he chooses 10% is he, he wants it to be an equal playing field for everybody across the board. It's one cent on every dime for everybody. It's easy. One cent on every dime. That's not that bad. One penny for every 10? i give giving that, that's no problem. And so there's a test every time we get paid. And that number 10 means testing in the Bible. And I'm going to show you some examples today. I want you to, I'm going to give you a test. I want you to answer the questions. There's a pattern here, okay? So it's not a hard test. Don't be scared. Don't let your stomach fall. This ain't just a pop test. I want you to scream it out when I say, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Okay, I'll go this side. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Okay, I'm just messing with this side over here today. There were 10. Or or I could say, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Because that's what God said he was going to do. He said, I'm going to test Pharaoh's heart. He tested his heart ten times. And so, how many commandments are there? That's how God tested Israel. How many times was Israel tested in the wilderness? Y'all are getting low now. Get loud. How many times was Jacob's wages changed? How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing were mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples were there? Oh, somebody got it right. Oh, they passed the test. All right. (laughs) I threw one in there for you. This is the only scripture in the Bible where it says it's appropriate and it's okay to test God. He said, test me now and see what I will do. That's what he's saying. See if I won't open the windows of heaven. See if I won't make you a nation that all the other nations say, that nation is blessed. You know why America's blessed? Because we were founded on these principles, but we've gotten away from them. Why is Israel blessed? Smallest little country with the biggest air force just about in the world. They give up. And they follow godly principles. It's about the ordinary things in life that we choose to do. A lot of times, as a pastor, I got people say, "You know, the I want to tithe, but you know, I just don't really think it's biblical," or, or I think, you know, tithing was under the law, and we're not under the law no more, pastor. And I I want to address all that today. Okay, and so, and and some people say, "Well, you know." I can't be cursed, Pastor, because Jesus bore the curse on the cross. These are all things I've heard over the years. Or I've heard, well, Pastor, there's nowhere in the New Testament that you can show me where there's tithing. And uh, we'll address all that today. And so you might say, well, you know, I can't be cursed. Well, what is a curse? A curse is a consequence for bad behavior. Okay? Are you saying that you can live any way you want to? That's crazy talk. I I know. In 1 Peter, he said he bore our sins on the cross, right? Just like he took the curse to the cross, he bore our sins on the cross. And so, as he bore our sins on the cross, uh, is it okay for me to lie? No? Well, Jerry, you ain't got no money. Mike, bring me your wallet. (laughs) I love Jerry I'm just giving him a hard time Jerry's always got money he's just in between jobs thank you Mike I appreciate that and there ain't no cash in here Tracy done got to this wallet but I couldn't take Mike's wallet and just steal it could I no, because there's consequences to all that stuff in my life. And, and so you say, well, you know, it's, you know it's, tithing was under the law. Well, adultery is under the law. But there's consequences for that too. I cheat on Pastor Jennifer and I came to church the next day with my head flat on one side. And you say, what is that? I said, that's a frying pan. There's consequences for that kind of stuff. Or I might not show up at all. You might be attending Pastor Ryan's funeral service. She got one of my guns and figured out how to use it. But there, there's consequences for everything that we do in life. There, it's just how, it's how it works. That's, that's foolish thinking to think there's no con- we can do anything we want. There, there's no consequences for it. God said, because you haven't tithed, there's a curse on you. I don't know about you, but I want to be free from all that. I don't want no curses on my life. Point number two is tithing is biblical. I'm going to show you a bunch of places in the Bible where it's biblical. In Genesis 14, 18 through 20, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. He was the priest. And he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abram which we know as Abraham, the God of Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Wow, what a saying, what a blessing. Be called the possessor of heaven and earth. Don't you want to be known as the possessor? No, I am Ryan, possessor of heaven and earth. Don't that sound good? That's what God has for you. He wants you to be the possessor of heaven and earth. He wants great stuff for you. Possessor of heaven and, earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, Abram. And he gave, Abram gave him a tithe of all. This is 500 years before the law. You can go back to Cain and Abel, which was 2,500 years before the law. And Abel gave a tithe and Cain did not. It's that Cain's was not acceptable. It wasn't a full tithe. It was just just an offering, and God wanted a tithe, and it wasn't accepted. We all know the story. And this is 2,500 years before the law. Then Genesis 28, 22, and it says, And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. This is Jacob speaking. And all that you give me, God, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is 100 years before the law. The tithe goes to God's house. In Leviticus 27, 30, it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether it is seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. You realize this word holy means set apart? It means the tithe is set apart. It's the reason it's holy. It's consecrated. It's holy. It's supposed to be the first thing you set apart. And when you set it apart, you're saying, this is holy. This is holy. What do the angels say as they worship God? Holy, holy, holy are you. That's what you're saying every time you write that tithe check. You're saying, Father, holy, holy, holy are you. And you're giving from your heart. You're giving something that means something to you. And you're giving it to God. In Deuteronomy 26, 1-2, it says, And it shall be. When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and you possess it and you dwell in it, you shall take some of your first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to this place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. He's talking about the church. Where does God's name abide on a weekly basis? It abides in his church. And then in verse 13, it says, Then you shall say before the Lord, Your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, which is the priest, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments. In other words, I haven't forgot them. I haven't gone against them. I have not eaten of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it, frankly. In other words, I haven't taken any of this tithe when I was sad, and I needed to bury somebody. I haven't taken any of this tithe for anything, not even given it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and have done according to all that you have commanded me to do. And then in verse 15, look, this is a prayer we should all pray. This is, this is the blessing part. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. He wants to give you the land that he's promised you. He wants to give you the things in your life that your heart has desired. But you got to know that when Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You don't just say, well, you know, I want this really bad, and I just go buy it. Your treasure has to be with God first, and then he gives you all of these things. Jesus said, if I told you that Jesus said you should give 10%, would you do it? If I could show you in red, in the New Testament, where Jesus says to tithe, would you do it? Would everybody in here do it? I I would. In the letters in red, Jesus told me that I should tithe. I know I would do it. I'd do it anyway, because I know it's God's principle. But if I could show you that, would you do it? And you know, the scary part is, what's amazing to me is some people here are still thinking about whether they would do it or not. And so, I want you to open up real quick, because I'm fixing to read, in the New Testament, in red, Jesus, Jesus saying to tithe. Matthew 23, 23. Read it with me. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you bunch of hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and ice and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others done. Let me, let me tell you what Jesus is saying here to the Pharisees. He's saying, listen here, you bunch of hypocrites. You're so, you're so meticulous in everything that you do, that you even tithe off of the spices that you put on your food, but yet you neglect. You neglect justice, mercy, and faith. And then let's look at the next part. He said, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, you ought to have tithed on your spices. You ought to have tithed on everything, but you also should have not forgotten about justice, faith, and mercy. And see, now, even if you want to take it the other way, I still have you here. Because you might say, well, these you ought to have done, Pastor, was referring to justice, mercy, and faith. Well, it says, without leaving the others undone. This is Jesus in red ink saying that you should tithe. The deal is, the Word of God says He does not change. He didn't say, well, Pharisees, you know what? Um, Me and Dad have changed. We've decided that we're going to change today. And that, you know, we've changed, we're no longer mean. We're no longer mean, we decide to be nice. You keep all your money. The way said, because it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. It's really, do you trust God? And do you trust God's math? Here's God's math. Our math is 100 percent would be more than 90 percent. God's math is, if you trust me and you give me the 10 percent, the 90 percent will be more than you ever dreamed it would be. Let's look at my favorite verse about giving in the Bible. Hebrews 7, 8. It says, here, mortal men receive tithes. Bring me one of those buckets, Bobby, from the back back there. One of those offering buckets. It says, here, mortal men receive tithes. Are you a mortal man? You're not a superhero? Okay. Bobby's a mortal man. Here... Mortal men receive tithes, but well, what's it say next? But there he receives. Look, let me show you. Let me show you something supernatural that happens. Bring me a tithe envelope. Somebody bring me an envelope. Let me show you something supernatural that happens. It says here, mortal men give tithes, but there, there's like a black hole in the bottom of this bucket right here, and when I stick my tithe in here, what's it say? But there. He receives them. It's not, about, it's not about whether you're giving it to a mortal man. It's not about whether you're giving it to a priest. You're not giving it to anybody ordinary. This is going straight to the throne room of God, and it says where, where He receives them. Not me. Of whom it is witnessed that He lives. You know that it's a testimony every time you give that He lives? A flat-out testimony. Now, some of y'all have never heard this stuff today, and that's why I'm sharing it with you. I know it's Valentine's Day, but really, this is the heart of God right here. This says my heart is pure. My heart is right, because I've consecrated even the thing that means the most to me, the thing that I provide my family with, my money, the things that I take care of my boys with, the things that I provide for my wife with. It holier than any of that is you, God. Anybody ever seen that scripture before? couple people? Good. We put the tithe in the box or the bucket, but he himself, absolutely amazing to me, he himself, Jesus, receives it. Proof that he lives. He just asks us to adhere to ordinary principles that he's set before us. Point three is, tithing is a blessing. Tithing will make you happy. 2 Chronicles 31.4, open with me. It says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites, that they might themselves to the law of the Lord. Hezekiah reads this. And what, what Hezekiah is saying, saying here is he's, he's saying, This whole nation is under a curse. This whole nation, we're under this bad recession. There's not even enough in the house of God to take care of the priest. There's not enough in the house of God to take care of this or that. And, and as a nation, as a people in a nation, we are under a curse. And, and so Hezekiah tells them, listen, listen, I want you to bring a tenth of everything. We can go down to verse 5. And it says, as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought it in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judea, who dwelt in the cities of Judea, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep also, and also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God, and they laid them in heaps. And in the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. And you say, why the third and the seventh month? It's, back then, you got to understand everything is farming principles. This is between the third and the seventh month is, is, is harvest time. It's when they would naturally tithe. They would naturally bring stuff in. So in the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. And then Hezekiah comes, and he looks at the leaders, and he sees all these heaps. It says, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, since the people began to bring their offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is a great abundance. Look, let me tell you what Hezekiah is saying here. Hezekiah's saying, hey, we've been under a curse and I've read the scriptures and, and, and so we're going to bring a tenth of everything into the house. And so they bring it in and all of a sudden we're at the end of harvest and Hezekiah walks in and he sees these heaps everywhere. And so he starts to question the head priest. He's like, hey guys, are the people okay? Look at, look at all the stuff that's here. There's more than we can do with. There's uh, Man, we can help out everybody. There's there's, there's an abundance. There's heaps of offering and, and tithe everywhere. Where did it all come? Are the people okay? Did they give too much? Is there any left? And the priests are like, Hezekiah, look here, bud. Don't, don't panic. This is just the heaps from the 10%. You want to see heaps? Go look at the 90%. Because when the church began to be the church and they started to tithe, God broke the curse over the nation immediately. The recession ended. The things that they couldn't afford, it ended. And there was an abundance of plenty everywhere. I have a question for you. Do you like the food you eat here at church today? Now this this is a tough question. Do you like the food you eat here at Triumph? Because, you know, this is spiritual food. You come in to feed your soul every week. Y'all, everybody like that? Now, this is going to be a tough answer, but someone here is paying for that. Somebody here is paying for that. There's some great people in this house that follow the simple, ordinary principles of God. And they provide everything you see here for you to enjoy. Now, not everybody here pays their way. Got another question for you. Would you go to a restaurant and eat a full meal, get your food, enjoy everything you've ate, and skip out on the ticket? Would you do that? Now, this is hard stuff here today. On Valentine's Day, somebody somebody does that. There's people in here that do that. They say, you know what? God's not my first priority. And look, I'm not here to offend you and I'm not here to preach at you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to feed you just as, st- if you're the best, as if you're the best tither in this house. I don't see tithing and not tithing. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to love you no matter what you do because I love people. That's what God's called me to do. And Jesus is going to love you the same whether you do or not. But there's clearly, I promise you, there, there are things that God has said that are so true. And my heart for you It's not to have to live under a curse. My heart for you is to be able to live beyond and better than I ever lived. I want you to have the nicest house in the city. I want people to look at what you have and say, that guy is blessed. I want him to look at this church and say, you know what? I don't know what that church is doing. But they're united together, they're all giving, they're all worshiping, they're all moving forward as a congregation together. And I don't know what, but they're taking over the town. That's what God wants us to have. That's what God wants us to do. There's two testimonies I hear from tithers and non-tithers. As a pastor, these, here's the testimonies I hear. Pastor, man, I just can't give God enough. I tithe, I tithe, and I tithe. And you know what? I just can't outgive God. I am so blessed. It's not even imaginable. That's, that's the first testimony here. The second testimony is, well, pastor, I can't afford to tithe. Look, this is not rocket science to figure out. One of these people's a tither, and they're blessed. And one of them's living under a curse. I don't want anybody to live under a curse. I'm telling you, God, yes, Jesus went to the cross to take the curse for us. Let him have it. Just follow the simple, ordinary principles that God has for your life. Ed, Jerry, come here. Mike, come here for a second. I got I got three guys right here. Y'all turn around. Three good-looking guys here. Jerry says he's the best-looking of the three. But, but say, say I decided I was going to go on a trip, and uh, these are three friends of mine, and I'm going on this trip, and I'm going to use these guys to funnel money from the love of my life, Pastor Jennifer. And I say, you know what, Jerry? I'm going to give you $10,000. Ed, I'm going to give you $10,000. Now, Ed, don't get too excited. This is just a story. <coughs> and I'm going to say, Mike... I'm going to give you $10,000. But what I want you to do is while I'm gone on this trip, every month I'm going to send you $10,000, each one of you. And I want you to make sure you bring Pastor Jennifer $1,000 every month. So her bills are paid. She's taken care of. Because I love Pastor Jennifer. I want to make sure she's provided. for. I want to make sure she's taken care of. And so, you know, I'm talking to Pastor Jennifer, and I'm just... Asking how things are going. And we've been about three months down the road. And I say, Pastor Jennifer, how's everything going on? Everything going good? Well, yeah, everything's going good. I said, uh, the guy's getting you the money that you need to provide for everything that you need. And uh, she goes, well, you know, Jerry, every month, he's been faithful. He's sending me $1,000, right? I said, all right, Jerry, way to go. I said, well, what about Ed? Well, Ed, Ed's sending me you should have took me to eat crawfish last night, Mike. <laughs> Ed's, Ed's sending me, me $2,000, right? I said, well, you know, that's awful nice. I only ask him to give you $1,000, but he's giving you $2,000 every month. I said, well, what about Mike? Well, the first month, Mike sent me $700. The second month, Mike sent me $300. And this month, he didn't send me anything at all. Now, now hear my heart. I love Pastor John. And so, as her husband wanting her to be taken care of, am I going to continue to send Mike $10,000 every month? No. You know what I'm going to do? Ed's giving her $2,000 above and beyond. I'm, I'm going to give Ed that $10,000. I know Ed's faithful. He can be trusted. I'll even give Jerry a little more. I'll give Jerry some, too. And, and Jerry, I know that between Jerry and Ed, they're going to take care of my wife because I love her. And I want to make sure she's well taken. Young, sit down. Thank y'all. I, I want to make sure that, that my wife is well taken care of because she, she's my passion now. Now, I want you to listen to this real closely today. Is not the church the bride of Christ? I think Jesus takes this a little bit more personally than you think. The church is the bride of Christ. And he's asked us to take care of her and just to send her just 10% and make sure that she flourishes and that she's doing well and that her bride is, that his bride is polished and his bride is looking good and got swagger the day he comes back. That's what he wants. You know, he can take your blessing and give it to someone else. Jesus is where everything comes from. Every penny you have, believe it or not, comes from God. We say, well, you know, I go out in that field and I plant. That's right. You can plant all you want, but if Jesus don't put water on it, it ain't going to never grow. If Jesus don't water those crops, they ain't going to never grow. And I want to tell you today, I don't want anybody in this house living under a curse. God, our great, our great Savior, my great friend, the love of my life, died on a cross for each and every one of us. And he took every bit of our sin, every bit of the curse, and he bore it for each and every one of us. So we have to walk through life with it. Today, if you haven't been tithing, I'm not mad at you. But I do want to give you a chance today. I want to give you the chance to have the curse lifted off of your life. I want to give you a chance to tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry I haven't been taking care of your bride. Jesus, I'm sorry. Please remove the curse from me because I want the windows of heaven open over the lives of not only me, but just like Zacchaeus, my house. And I want salvation today to come and I want the curse to be gone. Lord, supernaturally bless everything that I have. Open up the windows of heaven so that I cannot contain the blessings that you have prepared just for me, waiting for me to be obedient. Today is that day I give it all to you, Father. I release the curse, and I accept your blessings today, Father. Let's stand and pray. Father, I thank you, Father God. I thank you for this message today, Dad. I thank you that you've saved me. I thank you today that anybody here that, Father, has not been giving or not been tithing according to your word today, Father. I ask you to forgive them. Everybody just lift your hands with me today. Just say this prayer with me. Father, take the curse out of our life. If I've ever missed a tithe, if I've ever missed an opportunity to show you how much I love you, I'm sorry. Free me from the curse today. Let it fall off of my life. Open the windows of heaven over me and my whole entire house. Pour out a blessing that my family cannot contain. I thank you, Father, that on this Valentine's Day, I'll put you first every week, and I'll pass the test. In your name I pray, amen. Now, Father, today I thank you that you bless them as they go. I call them blessed in this city, Father. I thank you, Father God, that they'll gird themselves up, Father, with your full armor. They'll put on the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. They'll take the sword of the Spirit, Father, and the shield of faith, and they'll go into battle, Father, with their loins girded, Father, ready to fight for your sake. Let everyone they come in contact with this week, Father, let them touch someone with your love and with your grace and with your faith, Father. Don't let them just tithe, but let them think of the weightier matters of the law also, Father. Let them show love, faith, grace, mercy everywhere that they go this week. In your name we pray. Amen.